Welcome to another edition of the Oscar Central Podcast. My name is Jacob and I'm your host. Uh, today we are going to be going over everything horror and spooky and we have a wonderful panel here today. Um, we've got an amazing guest. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Pretty good. Um, we've got Kenzie. How are you? I'm good. This is like this is like my time to shine, like Oscars, horror movies. It's it's my life. So I'm so excited. <laughs> we have um Nicole and I in the same room and area doing the show. So recording studio. I'm good. I'm very excited for this because I'm not a horror movie girly, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a spooky season girly. I love all things Halloween. So I'm very excited to be doing this episode. And I can't wait to also hear like two people and well, I guess three really who are like so passionate about horror movies talk about it. So um, and we also have Lex who will be on whenever she's allowed back into her apartment. Um because there was a fire and the way you said that was like she got kicked out. Yeah, like to clarify why she's not allowed in the apartment. What was the week where I I told uh I was like, everyone needs to like keep Kenzie in her thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> because you just couldn't make it on a week. Oh yeah. And like three people texted me <laughs> that like they were worried about me. And I was like, what? I was like, you it was my husband. I'm pretty sure it was Father's Day. And I was like it, my yeah. husband's first Father's Day. Yeah. And I was like <laughs> celebrating it with him. Yeah. He made it seem like I was like dying. <laughs> I wish that we still had Lex with us. Lex was here this morning and we could have had mm. a true that would have been maybe too much, actually. Yeah, we would have to do uh Jacob wouldn't have gotten a word in. Yeah. <laughs> We were thinking about do Nicole here and like me <laughs> like over that there direction and having like the back us and the back God. But um, oh my God. but yes, we're gonna be talking <laughs> about horror movies, um, and the Oscars, of course, as we always do. Um, I guess I will start with Joe since mm. you are the guest here. Um, what is your kind of relationship with horror movies? What got you into the genre? Um, and if you want to go ahead and rattle off your top five favorites, you can go ahead. And uh, do- wow. My relationship with horror. Uh, I feel like I started with uh, not liking it. It's pretty common for a lot of people. And then I'm not sure when the change was. Uh, I'm still not even sure if I like them now. I mean, I still like, I mean, I like watching them, but being scared is not the best feeling in the world. Um, but it's been a while that I've been truly terrified. Obviously being scared is incredibly subjective, but you know, horror is the one genre where it's tough to innovate and reinvent. So it's one of those genres where you kind of seen it all. Um, so I don't know, maybe when I was like 14, I feel like I, I really got into horror. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, I can't remember a specific movie that really changed my mind though. And uh, what would you say your top five favorites are? Top five. Uh, that's a that's that's a question. Uh, okay. And I, one... I, I will say because we will have some, I guess, not arguments, but um, more out there. You can, if you can argue it as a horror, I will accept it. Oh, oh, I don't think I have any of those like those type of choices where I'm like, I'm not gonna say like Harry Potter is a, a horror movie or anything like that. 
But, but it, listen, but it is if a Christmas you, movie. If you want to tell me that Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is a horror movie purely for that sequence <laughs> at the end, I would take it. Okay. Just yeah. the graveyard sequence. <laughs> I like that nobody brought it up specifically, but Nicole had the argument prepared. I was ready. Listen, <laughs> I love to argue that things belong in genres they would not normally be set in. So like you know you could sell me hunchback of notre dame as a horror film if you really wanted to yeah about catholicism (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, no hot takes so my five favorites uh the fly is number one i know that for sure uh the fly uh probably deep red dario argento's deep red uh i will say jaws just to be that guy uh your next is one of my personal favorite ones i like your next a lot um and then i guess i'll choose like i'll choose the blair witch project i like the blair witch project a lot so does that four or five i don't know i think that's five okay then we're good yeah yeah i was talking about your next not too long ago um because we were talking about slasher movies and i was telling my friend about how it's very overlooked but it is really good uh i love your next yeah I was the first screener I ever went to, even though I wasn't actually invited, but my friend was invited for some reason and we went and I thought it sounded so dumb. And then it was like my favorite movie that year and I never shut up about it. (laughs) So good. I, when I, when um, Ready or Not came out, I was like obsessed with telling people you have to watch your next. It is so, it's so good. It's the best like movie confined to a house. I love it so much. Um, And Lex is here, so I'll just give her the opening spiel. How are you doing after your little fire mishap? <laughs> Not yours, but someone else's. I'm I'm doing just fine. I, I didn't die. No smoke inhalation? Like your your lungs are feeling okay? I hope not. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, I won't let you go next just because I know you're probably trying to get everything settled. So Kenzie. Uh, same question for you, I guess. What would be your intro and your top five? Well, as a child, I was six. My parents showed me The Exorcist. And to be fair, it wasn't like they sat me down and they were like, watch The Exorcist. They just have like a really great relationship with that movie. And they were watching it and I wanted to watch it. So they told me I could as long as I didn't bother them in the middle of the night that I was scared. Um, but it kind of was like the first movie. I literally was like, what else did this guy make? I was obsessed. And then I just realized I liked horror movies that had nothing to do with like the specific person. Um, but I've always loved horror. My dad used to drag us to this other movie theater on the other side of town. So I could see rated R movies without an adult as a kid, because I was obsessed with horror. Like I saw everything imaginable like the terrible remakes that we went through in like the 2000s like my bloody valentine black christmas all of that i was there at midnight my parents let me do this stuff i don't know but i saw i saw everything i was obsessed with horror it didn't matter if it was good or bad um my top five i talk about all the time so i'm gonna say movies that are not actually my top five um because i don't really want to keep talking about the exorcist and rosemary's baby and the shining um so i will go with i love wicker man obviously not the nick cage one love it um don't look now just i rewatched it it's on amazon prime it is just so good 
Um, really great editing. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think that is one of the scariest movies ever made. Do you just like it because it has Texas in the title? Technically, okay, because, <laughs> because, because my best friend growing up moved to Texas and was from Wisconsin, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on an event that happened in Wisconsin, not Texas. So as a child, I was obsessed with pointing this out. Um, but The Strangers is really good. I think it's one of like my favorite like modern horror movies. Um, is that four? Yes. Yeah. Ring You. That movie scared the shit out of me. And I do think the American remake is actually really good, but I that movie is so scary. And it's also like, I love journalism movies and I feel like it's really cool to combine journalism and horror movies together. Love that movie. That tape is so scary. Like uh, Dan from Next Best Picture points this out all the time. They made a movie that literally was like, if you watch this movie, you will die. But people still watched it. It is incredible. I, I don't know. They don't make them like that anymore. They don't do it. <laughs> no. Um, Lexi, uh, what about you? What was your introduction to the genre and what are your top five? Um, so I was trying to remember my, so it's really weird. I, when I was like a kid, I was scared of literally everything, um, literally everything. And my parents were very much like a face your fears exposure therapy I put that in quotes um type of parents and so they there was a time where we would watch like a horror movie a weekend during the summer vacations and so I don't remember if it was first the sixth sense the shining or um sixth sense the shining or I'm missing a big one jaws um I remember the day before I left for summer camp my mom was like, hey, we're going to watch this really fun beach movie. And it was Jaws. And then I was too scared to go swimming in the lake. Um, so it was a classic that was my first intro. I just don't remember which one. I think it was Sixth Sense, um, which looking back, I think is the least scary, at least in my opinion. Um, so they eased me into it. But they definitely did show me The Shining when I was nine and I didn't sleep for weeks. Um, but then, like, as an adult, like, I, I guess it worked because now, like, I don't mind scary movies. Um, and so I guess my top five would be the original Scream movie. Um, I like some of the sequels, particularly Kenzie, you saying that four was the best in the series. I, I really appreciate that. Um, but I do think if I'm going to put any of them in my top five, it's going to be the first one. Um, Jaws, fun little beach movie. Um, I love Hereditary. I had a moment with that movie where I watched it like multiple times a week. Um, that was fun. And then, um, I don't know if Sweeney Todd counts as a horror movie, but I'm going to say it does because I Googled it and it said it's a slasher musical. So we're going to say it's Sweeney so Todd's definitely. That you bring up a movie that you're like, I don't know if this is a horror movie because Nicole and Jacob were like, if there's a movie on your list that it's not, we is will it, allow an argument. I think if they're baking people into pies, it counts as horror. Well, so the movie <laughs> is like very, like they are slashing throats. It's they are slashing people in the neck. Yeah, it's, there are jump scares in that movie when um, Beetle Bomber just falls through the ceiling and his brain yeah. spilling. Like that's pretty scary. 
Um, at this point, anytime they just show Johnny Depp, it's a jump scare. Like this is oh, true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> this is true. Um, so we're gonna say accounts. So that was four, and then five. I mean, I like Tusk. Sue me. First, first, off, first off, I was gonna be like Joe here had an amazing hereditary Halloween costume you should check out, and then you brought up Tusk, and he's like, "Don't ever look at my page ever again." <laughs> uh, costume was last minute, but it worked out really well. It was very good. Thank you. Um, and... I can't believe you managed to bring up Tusk. That's <laughs> he's gonna log off. It's like his number one enemy. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a rough one. I don't like thinking about it. I should have done the makeup and like hopped on. Um, and probably what will be the shortest. <laughs> Shut talk. up. Uh, um, Nicole, what about you? You think that? No. So I am not a horror movie girly at all. But there are some like weird caveats to that. Um, I was in Hitchcock Club in the eighth grade, and I grew up watching Turtle Classic movies like almost exclusively. Yeah, did you ever go on the the ride at Universal about Hitchcock? No. By the time I went to Universal, it was no longer there. Okay, yeah, I I remember going, and then like I wish I was obsessed. I talked about it every day until we were going back, and I was like, I can't wait to go. That's gonna be no. the first thing I do, and it was gone. That breaks my heart. But yeah, I got very obsessed with Hitchcock at a very young age. And one of my favorite history teachers ran the Hitchcock Club. Um, So I think I was in it seventh and eighth grade. And I loved it. I could watch like any Hitchcock film and like, I don't get that freaked out by them. I'm good with like thrillers generally, or like psychological horror type stuff. I'm fine. Um, I'm just a baby about anything that's like truly creepy. Um, I distinctly remember I was in 10th grade. I watched, I think 10th grade is right. I watched the trailer for the Jessica Chastain movie, Mama. And I had nightmares for two weeks. Um, But I also like, I've seen some things that count as horror. Like I saw Jaws for the first time while at the beach. Um, I've actually only ever watched Jaws while at the beach, but I have seen it multiple times. It's become like a thing. Um, But really when it comes to, like film I tend to like things that are sort of like spooky but not quite like full horror like Sweeney Todd like Sleepy Hollow like things like that um and I am a gothic horror girly to the core obviously I'm a historian who loves anything to do with like the Victorian period so gothic horror is very much my thing um so for my five I will start out with one of my favorite movies of all time and I already know Lex is gonna make a face at this but it is the film Crimson Peak um we love del toro on this podcast uh a hitchcock classic i struggle i told myself i could only have one hitchcock and i went with rear window um because i think that like that is the one that psychologically freaks me out the most actually because it feels like the one that you could actually experience (laughs) um another gothic horror i'm gonna argue is a horror film and it is classed as when i checked on letterboxd is mary shelley's frankenstein um because I think we all need to pay homage to Mary Shelley for giving us the genres of both like science fiction and horror kind of. So, um, and then I have to go with Jaws. It's a classic. And then I'm going with a very recent one for my fifth. And 
it is a horror movie, but when I've watched many times already, and that if is- you say Halloween ends, I'm just gonna have to end <laughs> the podcast. Like I I'm not here for Corey. I'm not here <laughs> no. for Corey. Corey's no origin story. Worries. Kenzie, you should know what I'm gonna say. And it's fresh. Um one of my favorite movies that has come out recently in the past year. Um, and also I think a really fun, not too scary horror film for any other people who are babies like I am. Um, and I guess moving on to me, I couldn't have been more against horror for like my entire life. <laughs> um, I remember the first time I got scared watching a movie was the first Harry Potter when they had the dogs Stop. and I was like freaking out. I love the movie, but I hated that scene. Um, the trailer for drag me to hell <laughs> made me not sleep at night because when the fly flies up her nose, I like would sleep with a pillow over my face. Cause I thought that was going to happen to me. Um, and so I was very, very against it. My friend's, when I was in, I think, middle school, put The Shining on mm -hmm. and I watched parts of it, but I didn't watch the whole thing. I didn't like remember it too much. So the first, like the definitive first, oh, and the beginning of Ghostbusters, like messed me up bad. <laughs> the library scene. Um, so the first, like the first horror movie I ever saw, I was literally dragged to see it, um, had no choice begged my friend to tell me uh what the scariest part was didn't help uh but it was the conjuring and so that was the first horror movie i ever saw i saw it in theaters we had to go to the theater like about 20 minutes out of the way because they didn't id people um i went i saw it i liked it uh and then i started you know watching more and more um, and then at the start of the pandemic, so I have my roommate, her name's Presley. She was a lot like Kinsey growing up in that her parents just threw on like horror movies, except like your parents threw on like The Exorcist and hers would throw on like C tier horror movies. Um, and so when the pandemic started, she would just show me. Uh, horror movies all the time so that's when I really started getting into horror more as a genre um and it's got to the point where now it's you know one of my favorites uh so my top five would be The Exorcist at one I just think it's I think it's a perfect movie I think it's a perfect horror um Halloween at two uh The Shining at three I will go the Conjuring at four, just because The Conjuring, again, is like so monumental to me. And then the only movie that has ever actually not been able to like make me sleep was The Witch. So I'll have to go with The Witch at five. Um, moving on from our top five horrors and our relationship with the genre, we're going to move on to Horror movies at the Oscars. Um, only six times has a horror movie broken through to Best Picture um, of the 96 years that there has been Oscars. Um, it first happened in 1974 with The Exorcist, uh, and then again in 1976 with Jaws, 1992 with Silence of the Lambs, 2000 with The Sixth Sense, 
Black Swan in 2011, and most recently, Get Out in 2018. Um, I guess and Darkest we, Hour. Yeah, that was a horror movie for different reasons, though. <laughs> um, I guess we can start with The Exorcist, and we can just kind of go around and talk about what it was nominated for, what it won, um, and just kind of what we think about it as an Oscar movie. Uh, to get started, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Adapted Screenplay, Art Direction, Cinematography, Film Editing, and Sound. And it won Screenplay and Sound. It was tied for the most nominations that year with the Best Picture winner, The Sting. Um, Kenzie, I know you said you have a lot of history with The Exorcist. What do you think about it as an Oscar movie? I think um, because I famously think that best picture should be something that utilizes all of the categories in the Oscar. So it should have everything really going for it, for it to come together as one of the best movies of the year. And for me, The Exorcist is not only that, but it like exceeds everything that year that it was up against. And I just, one, I get really stressed out about like, Linda Blair is so good in that movie that she literally struggled to find work after. It is insane to me that she's that good. And I understand she was a child, but this is like, kids were frequently nominated back then and winning. So hello, Anna Paquin. Um, But I just think that this movie is so great and it goes above just being a horror film. I do think it's like one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. But I think it's so much more than that. And the movie does such a great job of like, not just transporting you, but making you feel the way that her mother does, the way that she does, the way that the priest does. And I don't think that many movies can do that regardless of genre. Um, And there's a really, really great documentary about this movie. Um, I think it's called Leap of Faith. Yeah, Leap of Faith. It's on Shutter right now. It is so good. It's just William Friedkin just talking for two hours about the making of this movie, and it is incredible. But so much went into this, and I think it really shows on screen. It's one of the best movies ever made. It's been my number one movie for literally my entire life, probably. But as someone who really loves the Oscars, I don't think you can come across something that would have been more worthy for Best Picture in the 70s. It's one of it's easily like one of the highest rated movies like ever. So I don't understand like audiences and critics. So it's one of those like medium found films that I'm sad we couldn't figure out. And also I just want to say of this whole list of movies that broke through, this is one of the only true horror films, like a hundred percent. There's no questioning what genre it is. So that just shows you how good it is that they didn't, they couldn't even be like, we don't do that here. Like it was just that good. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, as I said, it's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I love, I think this was honestly for me, it was the first horror movie that I watched. And again, I only watched it a couple of years ago that I was like, horror isn't just about, you know, the scares or the jump scares or the creepiness. It's like telling these real stories in such an intimate um, intimate way, but also a horrific way. Um, I just love that it, at its core, is still a mother-daughter story. 
And it's about, you know, what a mother would do to save her daughter. You know, in this case, she is um, possessed by a demon, but still, I think the sentiment kind of remains. Um, Joe, what do you think about The Exorcist? Uh, I have zero hot takes about The Exorcist. It is uh, a movie that is very, very good. When we look at the list from that year, arguably it's the one that's the most influential and the one that remains the most memorable. Maybe American Graffiti is up there. But if you ask somebody on the street of these five movies, which one do you know? I'm like 90 percent sure they're going to say it's The Exorcist. Um, which obviously does not mean it's supposed to win the Academy Award. But when you think of a Best Picture winner, you usually want something that has a little bit more staying power. Um, and The Exorcist, out of those options, definitely has it. So I have no hot takes about this movie. It's, it's you know, heralded for a good reason. And I agree with all of those reasons. And Lex, what about you? Um, I've seen The Exorcist once. Um, I genuinely think it is, it's too scary. Like I am decent at horror movies, but there is just something about this. I like, I can't freaking do it. Um, generally, like I don't love now. I, I know I said hereditary is in my top five, so there are exceptions to like supernatural paranormal type things, but there's just something about this one where pre-start. No, 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 no. Um, I genuinely find all that shit terrifying. So I've only seen it once. I don't remember much except for like when she's like levitating above the bed. Um, but you know, I, I, I have no qualms with it getting nominated for an Oscar just because I thought it was too scary. doesn't mean that it wasn't a good movie. So I wish I had more insightful things to say, but that's all. I told my parents we were talking about it because my parents remember people throwing up in the theater, like priests waiting outside to like talk to people after they left the movie. And I, I understand like we've evolved and we know it's not that scary, but I am so sad. I'll never get to experience something like that. Like, sure. Say what you want about Terrifier too, but it was just because it was gross. It had nothing to do with the content of the story. Um, and I was talking to my dad and he sent me this article from the New York Times about the following year, there was a spike in people joining the Catholic Church, which has that ever happened due to a movie ever again. It's like, and my dad's Catholic and he's very Catholic. And he was like, this movie made me scared of priests. So I don't think, I don't think cinema's ever gone back to that. And I'm sad we'll never get there again. Yeah, no, this is, everyone always talks about like, what are those, like, what's the movie that you would want to go experience opening night. You know, you've got Empire Strikes Back with the big twist and everything. Um, but for me, I think it is The Exorcist because it is something to where it's like, it was felt so different back then. And it was such a game changer for horror as a genre, just in general. Um, and then, like you said, it was just like how real it all still feels to this day, but um, how much more real it would have felt back then, especially with, you know, you've got the levitating scenes and all of those that still to this day hold up and look very, very good. And the score, um, the score yeah. is just the bells, the bells. They are terrifying. Um, moving on, like I think Kenzie said, 
might have been Joe. I can't remember. Um, moving on to the next movie that was nominated for Best Picture, which was Jaws in 1976. It was nominated for Picture, Film Editing, Dramatic Score, and Sound, and it won Film Editing, Dramatic Score, and Sound. Didn't win Picture. Um, I'll start Lexi, since you said Jaws is, means a lot to you. What do you think about it as an Oscar movie? Um, I think, I mean, I think like it definitely warranted Oscar buzz. I think it holds up. Um, a lot of movies from that era, I think particularly horror movies, like aren't as scary, though I do think something Jaws has that you don't see in movies today. And I know that it was an unintentional because I know that initially you were supposed to see more of the shark, but the animatronic wasn't working the way they wanted it to. So it ended up just only really seeing like the dorsal fin. And I think the fact that you don't see the shark like makes it so much scarier. And I think that's something that a lot of modern horror movies are missing. Like it's so like the action and the suspense like has to basically be, be spoon fed to you. Whereas like Jaws, there's so much like tension and the way the score works that like trademark, like dun, 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 is just so well done. And I think Spielberg is such a master at directing tension. And there are two scenes that I think I'd point to, to like back that up, even though I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And one is in Jurassic Park with the T-Rex and the car, but the other is um, the kid on the raft in Jaws. That is truly, I think, one of the most tense, scary moments. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend showing it to your kid the day before they leave for summer camp and saying it's just a fun little beach movie because then they're not going to want to get in the lake when they get to camp. But I do think Jaws like holds up. It is truly a masterpiece of um, and just a example of a master class of tension directing and has one of the better uh scores i love that score yeah uh nicole and i were talking before the pod about the scene in jurassic park in the kitchen as well um and the tension that's kind of built in that scene uh but yeah actually i saw jaws for the first time um maybe two years ago yeah two years ago when they brought all of the old movies back to the theater so I actually did get to see it in the theater for my first time ever um but yeah I agree and I think it's it's like you said you know it was an animatronic issue but at the same time it's something that now if anyone makes any sort of movie where the monster is kind of hidden and locked away until like the very end and you get that big reveal um I know a like lot Halloween of Halloween ends <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> if, if there was like a big reveal on that one um but it it almost is called like the jaws effect or that's where mm -hmm. spielbergian gets thrown around a lot um i also think it's kind of insane that it was spielberg's third movie that he directed like yeah. as far as being like a very prolific oscars director's first oscars movie i think that's like kind of insane yeah. um also, I just want to say um, the best live action short the following year should have been the video of Spielberg watching himself not get nominated for director. <laughs> it is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it is so good. <laughs> it is so I, um, funny. 
And I think Jaws is like crazy in how it holds up. And also like whenever we talk about best picture and cultural impact and stuff, the fact that like, I feel like I see stuff every year about like shark awareness and how Jaws altered in particular the American mindset on sharks is so interesting. Would we have Shark Week if Jaws didn't happen? I firmly believe we would not have Shark Week without Jaws. And I think that's kind of insane. I do want to say everyone always gets really mad about this one not getting picture, but this is truly one of the best, best picture lineups of all time. Like one flew over the cuckoo's nest one. Yeah. Barry Lyndon, which is my second favorite Kubrick movie ever. Dog Day Afternoon, Jaws, and Nashville. Any single one of them would have been a perfect Best Picture winner. And I I agree about Jaws. And he obviously should have been in there for director. But, like, I mean, who who's going to argue with any of these? Also, had no idea until right now that Michael Douglas won an Oscar for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest winning. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't know that. But I do think it's like, I think it's his best movie. I mean, other than everyone yells at me, other than Munich, but I think it's his best movie. I just think like, like you're saying, like what a confident third entryway. Like, I think people get so hung up on now, like you can get a bunch of money, like, like get out for Jordan Peele. Like he was already kind of in the industry, whereas like Back then you had to like play like this studio game like Scorsese did and all of them did like features for the studios like you get one I get one but this is just like I don't even know how someone could do this now for their third feature it's so heavy-handed but in like the best way and I also just don't think people understand how crazy it is like he made people scared to go like on vacation which is like really wild and we always talk about it, but like making someone scared during the daytime when like arguably every horror trope is that like you're kind of safe during the day and it's at night that you're gonna get scared. It's just like really overwhelming and just so crazy. And I also think the performances are really great in this movie because they're kind of aware of when to be big and when to be small. And I think we take that for granted because I feel like if you like I really liked um is it Jaws 3 that's a, like a theme park? It's Jaws 4. Jaws 3 is the bottom. Okay. okay. I really liked the Jaws 4 then because I was really scared of Shamu as a child. And I was like, look, this is what happens if you put animals in cages. And that one really scared me. But that one, they don't understand that they're in a movie that's camp. Like they don't understand. So Jaws also perfectly acted, which we never talk about. And fantastic costumes the costumes are so good in this movie like I just I think this is also another like the exorcist where every tech really comes together and works in unison to like make a bus picture worthy film it also uh, oh it also is like this is another one like we were talking about the exorcist that something like this is so frequently made today where it is animatronics and it looks real it's like now you know everyone is so heavily relying on cgi and effects and this was like you know they worked with what they could and they made a shark that you know looked very robotic horrifying um joe what about you what's what's your thoughts on jaws i have zero hot takes about jaws as well i mean these are two movies that are like cemented in horror history uh 
I saw it recently at the IMAX re-release uh, at IMAX headquarters, and it was uh, pretty amazing to watch it on the IMAX screen. And uh, every year I forget how good it is, and I rewatch it, and I remember it's uh, it's a masterpiece. So Jaws is Jaws. Um, and then moving on after Jaws, another horror movie wasn't nominated for Best Picture until 1992, with The Silence of the Lambs, which um, is still the only horror movie that has won Best Picture. It's actually one of the most highly regarded uh, Oscar winners, as it is one of three films that won the quote-unquote Big Five, which is picture, director, actor, actress, and one of the screenplays. In this case, it was adapted. Um, Silence of the Lambs was also nominated for film editing and sound um, and the other two films, if people are wondering, was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which we mentioned earlier, Beat Jaws, and It Happened One Night, which was in like the 1930s, I think. Um, but I'll start with Joe. What are your thoughts on Silence of the, the Lambs? Uh, okay, maybe I have a hot take now. Uh, this movie's fine. I don't, I'm not in love with this movie. Uh, it is a horror movie to some extent, I know people argue that it's like more thriller and I guess that's fine. I think thriller is like a extension of horror anyways. Uh, plus that scene where uh, Starling's like in like the basement and she's like, has like the first person camera moment and it's like really dark in there. That part's pretty scary. But uh, Silent Slam is a movie that I like, but I don't revisit because I just have no real desire to. I think it's aged questionably as well. Um, would I like it? Anthony Hopkins is good. Uh, Jodie Foster is really good, but it's not a movie that I am entirely in love with. Kenzie, do you have a different take, or are you? I so I I do really like this movie, but I think it's aged horribly. Like I have a really hard time watching it now. But I've some okay. First off, um, what's his name? Ted Levine that plays Buffalo Bill. 1,000% should have been nominated. We'll never understand that, how it can get in to all these places and win with so much support, yet he couldn't get in. Um, but it's just aged so horribly. But I do think it, I think it, it has horror elements, but I think it's more like, is Seven a horror movie at that point? Like, I, like, cause I do agree that Thriller is like, comes from horror, but I just don't, I think they're trying to like be like, look, we acknowledge the genre, but I don't really think they did. But my other hot take is that um, Anthony Hopkins is 1000% supporting. It has nothing to do with the screen time. It's that the perspective is from Jodie Foster's character and that really bothers me. Like you can't have a female protagonist, like, I don't know, but I, I think these are some of the coolest acting wins ever. Like they are so out there and I feel like it's not something we would ever really see until the next time there was a horror movie up. No, two times later. So like 2011. Um, but I don't know. It's It obviously is very tricky to talk about it because it's aged so poorly, but it is really cool that it was able to break through. I guess it's just if you make a well-made serial killer movie, you can get in. Um, but I do really like the resurgence of um, 
the well thing on TikTok, like people cutting out the picture and hanging stuff from it. I think that's really funny. It's a weird movie for people to pick up on again. Um, but it is a really tense movie. And I think like once again, all of the technical aspects of it come together to create a really like full lived in movie. It's just very odd. And um, weirdest like franchise of all time. Like this is not a sequel, but it kind of is like technically on technicality, but it's really not. And then the whole like, the, the, the sequels are it's just bad it's just it's bad but as a one-off movie it's fine I feel like if you haven't seen it it's like one to watch but if you've seen it I don't think there's a reason to revisit it that makes sense and Lex do you have any opinions on it um I also kind of agree that it's maybe a touch overrated um it doesn't really hold up um I really like actually straight up hate Silence of the Lambs. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Um, and then after Silence of the Lambs, uh, in 2000, The Sixth Sense um, was very heavily nominated. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Best Director, Best uh, original screenplay and best film editing it didn't win any of them um but this was you know the intro to m night Shyamalan. um i guess i'll start with lex since you mentioned it earlier uh what's your thoughts on the sixth sense yeah um like i said this may have been one of the first the first horror movie i saw if not like one of it was like the second or third I will say there are some pop culture moments that anytime I watch or listen or read or whatever, I can very distinctly remember how I felt the first time I experienced it. Um, And the big reveal at the end of this movie is one of them. Like I remember, granted, I was like 10, but I remember my jaw being like on the ground. I was like, he's been dead that he is the ghost. And I just, um, when it showed the whole, like, it goes back in time and it shows, like, the moments where he was a ghost and nobody realized, like, I just remember being completely shook. Um, My dad told me that when he saw this movie in theaters, um, apparently as he was tearing the tickets or getting his ticket torn, uh, these people came out of the theater and were, like, freaking out. And they're like, dude. Bruce Willis is a ghost. And as they were, as like my dad was going in and he was like, I was so pissed that it was ruined for me that like it ruined the entire movie for him. And so he's still, he's now not a fan of that movie just because of that. I do think it's really clever writing. I actually watched it relatively recently and thought it holds up. Um, Trying to look at uh, the list of what it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think Bruce Willis is giving such a great performance in this movie that it warrants best actor. I do think screenplay for sure, just because again, very clever writing, um, just top 10, probably great reveals in movies, but, um, yeah, this one, this one holds up for me and, um, yeah. And Kinsey, what about you? Um, as a fan of the OC, Misha Barton is very important to me. 
Um, but I remember I didn't watch this in theaters. I was too young, but I remember when my parents rented it from Blockbuster and like Misha Barton, I hid under a table to watch it because my parents told me it was way too scary. Um, but I think this movie is terrifying and I think it's insanely amazing child performances all around because I feel like you don't realize how much they're having to do, especially I've read and listened to a lot of um, interviews about the making of this film and they really like protected the kids from being like scared and like kind of aware really of like everything going on. Um, but it is just so good. It's not my favorite Shyamalan movie, but it's up there. I think it's so great. And I think the screenplay is really sharp and I think it has like a really interesting outlook on death, which I feel like is kind of hard to come by. I feel like people, <laughs> there's not that much you can really like say in a movie at this point, but he really was able to say so much here and it's really crazy. And I also think now that we're so far removed from it, we don't realize how iconic the I see dead people line is. Like it, I, it really like, I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but something hasn't really like broken through the culture in a way like that in so long. That's just like one line. And I think that's so fascinating. And I feel like movies that really like break the culture like that should have some precedent for being considered for best picture. But this one is just like really well made all together. And I, and it's a true horror movie. You like, there are some things on this list that broke through that are borderline horror but this is like truly terrifying and joe what are your thoughts about the sixth sense mm, my thoughts are this movie should have won best picture best original screenplay uh tony collette should have won hilly joe osmond should have won uh i am a tony six- collette is so good at this she's very good in this i'm a sixth sense fan uh until the day i die 1999 obviously was a, a huge year for movies and I spent a lot of time reading and, and watching and t- about 1999. It's so funny now that we're in 2022 and uh, American Beauty is just like the most disgusting film to have come out in the last 25 years. Well, no, 32 years or whatever year. I don't know how many years it's been. Um, but American Beauty, it's just like now we look at it and like, wow, that was a big mistake but it won so much and took so much away from um, The Sixth Sense. It was kind of disappointing. Uh, so I love The Sixth Sense. I think it's definitely a horror movie and it's a movie that definitely scared me. I also was way too young to watch it, uh, but I did. And I always remember like the little girl under the under the bed and just being so shocked by all those like mini twists. Like when you learn that the little girl was being poisoned by her mother or like stepmother. Um, just a brilliant screenplay, a brilliant movie. It's really a shame that it was uh, overshadowed. I mean, looking at the competitors that year, Cider House Rules is a movie that I've seen one time and that was good enough for me. Green Mile is a good one. Uh, the Insider is pretty good as well, but The Sixth Sense for me trumps all of those ones. So it's a shame it didn't get more, but it did launch Shyamalan into Hollywood stardom. So I can't be too upset. Um. And then it took another 11 years after that for the next horror movie to be nominated for Best Picture um, when Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan came out, uh, which was nominated for Picture, Director, Actress, Cinematography, and Film Editing, which it won 
Natalie Portman the Oscar. Um, I'll start with the number one Natalie Portman, Darren Aronofsky, uh, girly. Kinsey, what are your thoughts on Black Swan? I just like want everyone to picture what it was like for me as Natalie Portman's number one fan and Darren Aronofsky's number one fan when I found out this movie was coming. It was um, truly a sight to see. Um, one, I don't think this is a horror movie. I think it has horror elements, but I don't think it's like a horror film. Um, other than the fingernail scene, um, that's the only horror real scene for me. Um, but I think this is just like, it's not anywhere near Darren's best film, but it is such a good film. I think it's his most accessible film. Um, and I do think it's really interesting the way he was able to adapt Swan Lake into this and make it the exact same story and plot, but like so different. Um, and I also think this, he was like the perfect director for this material. I, I know he worked a lot with, um, I'm blanking on his name, Natalie Portman's husband, uh, the director of Carmen. Um, but uh, they worked really well together to find a way to move the camera when they were filming the dance sequences as intensely as the dancers feel on stage, which I think helps create this feeling of claustrophobia, which is obviously a huge component in horror films. Um, and I'm really happy this was nominated for editing because I feel like the editing is absolutely insane in this movie. And um, yeah, I'm happy she won. I think it's one of my favorite best actress wins of the last like 20 years, but not a horror movie, but a lovely movie, just not a horror movie. And but I would love Darren to make an actual horror movie other than Requiem for a Dream. Like I really like you describing it as a lovely movie. <laughs> because, okay, I do want to say I took my boyfriend at the time and his mom and his sister to go see this, not knowing that um, I did think I was going to make them uncomfortable, but I didn't know about, like, the fingernail scene and um, something that Winona Ryder yells and then... Um, Natalie Portman's like hallucination or whatever you want to call it but um they never liked me after that so very shocking very shocking but this was a great um Christmas time release you know like nothing like winter in New York some <laughs> killer ballerina I don't know um Joe what about you what's your thoughts on Black Swan I like Black Swan it's a movie that this was what two years after the big Oscar changed with the second year. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of movies nominated that year. This is the King's speech year. So that means it was the social network year. So that's all I really cared about when it came to the Oscars was the social network winning as much as it possibly could. Um, and it didn't win as much as it possibly could. So that was upsetting. But Natalie Portman winning was great. And I like Natalie Portman a lot and she deserves the world. So. Uh, also agree it's not really a horror movie it definitely kind of toes that boundary of horror thriller psychological horror I guess um, so I mean for the sake of the Oscars trying to recognize horror they, they'll consider it a horror movie but it's not something I put on during Halloween at all um, and Lexi what about you um, I agree I love uh, Black Swan I think it's my favorite Darnowski movie um but um I agree that 
it's not really hor- like it's not scary it's just freaky um and kind of weird but i like things that are freaky and kind of weird uh i think it definitely deserved uh natalie portman definitely deserved the oscar for it i actually think i don't know what won um but i think it deserved um to win editing i don't know what won against it but like that editing in that movie is just insane um and i also again don't know what won but cinematography in that movie is stunning um Matthew, yeah, I wish I had more insightful things to say, but I don't. Matthew Libatique and Darren Aronofsky, regardless of how I feel about Darren Aronofsky, will go down as one of the best director cinematographer pairings of all time. It is so good. I think about the um, scene with um, Vincent Castle yelling attack it like all the time. It is exceptionally shot and exceptionally edited and just so good. Also, Vincent Castle, until he got remarried, is very sexy. So the social network won editing and Inception won cinematography. I'll take Inception. Inception, fine. I, I, be careful here. Be careful here. I'm okay. I'll, I'm not saying <laughs> say anything crazy. It's just, I'm going to say that objectively, I think Black Swan had more impressive editing than social network. It's not to say that social networks didn't have good editing. That That's just a little puzzling to me. That's all. That's all. I think as... I can't say it publicly. I'll tell everyone offline, but um, <laughs> I can't say it publicly ever. I have to gird my loins. Um, but, you know, I don't think Inception deserved it. No, I agree. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like, an an about, like, like Killian Murphy or original screenplay, sure. But, um, yeah. But, like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, Inception's I, 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 biggest thing is its visuals. So, like, I get that, but I I'm just have the same argument here that I have for Avatar. Um, visual effects is right there. You don't need to get cinematography. I don't know what to say. I'm here. But, you know. I also think this should have been in contention for director. And then if social network won picture, I feel like we'd all be happy. But what am I, what am I to say? Um, also just thinking about if Jesse had won for actor, just those beautiful pictures post win of him and Natalie. Um, yeah, uh, I have never seen Black Swan but every time you bring this up it makes me want to kill myself like i the time the time that i didn't know I do about think witches was okay listen listen <laughs> if there's one thing you're gonna confuse it with is like why suspiria what did suspiria ever do to you like what did suspiria do to you I want to watch Black Swan. I'm just, as a former ballet dancer, afraid of it. <laughs> I do think, despite all the controversy of the stunt doubles and ballerinas, I do think, um, I only did ballet for like six years, but like, I do think it's like a really realistic portrayal. I just That's think- why I'm afraid of yeah, it. <laughs> so like, center, so I was dancing still when I was like made aware of center stage. And then when I watched center stage and I quit, ballet yeah um, but I do think center stage is way scarier than black swan okay, just okay. because it is so fucking realistic 
but I do think they do a good job, but it's more so like the culture of ballerinas in the ballet versus like the physicality of it. Um, And the mother-daughter relationship is just insane. And I also think this is a really hard movie for people with eating disorders or recovering from eating disorders to watch. But I also think that, um, I don't know, it's worth it for Winona Ryder, which I know everyone (laughs) credits Stranger Things for bringing her back. But like, she was literally in exile for shoplifting until this movie. And then people were like, oh, wow, she's so good. What happened to her? Like, but she's really incredible in this. I, I think this is a great is. ensemble movie. And I think Mila Kunis is really great in this. Like, I didn't really know she had it in her, to be honest with everyone. <laughs> um, and then following that one, uh, we did get the Jordan Peele classic, Get Out, which was nominated for picture, director, actor, and original screenplay, which it won original screenplay. Um, I will start with i'll start with joe on this one what are your thoughts on uh 2018's get out Uh, i love get out and i think it's one win for a screenplay well deserved uh you could argue picture but that's the shape of water year and uh i'm a gdt fan till i die as well so i'm perfectly fine with shape of water winning that year uh but i think the argument exists for best picture i think that in the next I don't know, 30, 40 years, it's going to be the movie that everybody talks about, like, oh, that movie should have won Best Picture. Uh, and that's fine. I think it it will have that staying power. It'll be it'll be that movie. Uh, Actor-wise, I can't remember who won that year. Um, Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. This yeah, that's, is actually, that's the Legacy Award, yeah. Yeah, this is, because I'm a Gary Oldman fan of his work, just not that performance, the tracks. Um, but even Gary Oldman included, this is an all-timer actor lineup and actor is always so boring um, that it's amazing. And I'm sure everyone here agrees. Timothy Chalamet and Daniel Kaluuya like on the campaign trail together is something we should all cherish for the rest of eternity. Oh, yes, yeah, so Chalamet was for uh, Call Me By Your Name, right? And Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread. Thread. That is a pretty good lineup. What a that year. a very good lineup. Yeah. I'm a threadhead till I die, so... Yeah. Amazing that then they picked that performance to go with, but, you know. It's also, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were all original characters and then Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. That makes My... sense. Yeah, and then Gary Oldman like doing that. an imitation of Winston Churchill. In a fat suit. <laughs> yeah, that's uh other than that though, I'm happy it won screenplay. I thought that was a really good I thought that was the moment that you know horror was gonna take in a little bit more get more respect in the academy. Like, oh, this is a, a big moment for horror. Clearly that's not the case yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it you know, get out deserves all the accolades it was nominated for and won, and I'm excited for the next 30 years of conversation about how good it is. Um, Kenzie, what about you? What are your thoughts on Get Out? Um, I, cause it came out in like February, right? Mm-hmm. That year? Super early, either February or March. Um, I remember seeing it and I saw it and it was like completely sold out and that never really happened for movies that time of year. And I was like, wow. And it was like a movie that everybody asked me about, like at work and like outside of like my movie groups, um, 
So I could feel that it was something more special. Um, I honestly wish I had gotten into cinematography and film editing. I think that the cinematography is really impressive. And I think this film does a really great job of like, not like it has special effects, but it's not like relying heavily on them. Um, and I think this movie, like, um, I can't remember her name that plays like the, the housekeeper, the actress that plays the housekeeper, um, but she's really great. And I feel like she has to do a lot, like she has to hint kind of that there's something off with her but it's not to be like too much before you catch on. I think that's something that is really undervalued. Um, but I'm, I'm a ladybird girly. So original screenplay like hurts me, but if anybody had to beat that screenplay, I'm glad it was get out not something else. Cause I do think this is like really well-written and very original, which I feel like never happens. I mean like green book one original screenplay, like, but um, yeah, I think it's great. I, I also think it's like a true horror movie. So that was exciting. And like Joe, I literally was like, holy shit, like the expansion worked. Like we're, it just took a few years, it's happening. And then, you know, um, and I do think this is his strongest film. I don't think it's his strongest directorial effort, but um, I think it's his overall best film. And I also really love Lucky Stanfield in this movie like so much. And um, I can't think of the actor that plays his friend, like the TSA agent. He is so good in this movie. I think he's so good. Lex, what about you and Get Out? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with Kenzie that I would have rather Lady Bird have won for screenplay, but this if any movie had to beat it I agree um I think Get Out like I don't know it's weird because Get Out was the first horror movie I actually ever saw in theaters um it took a while for me to get to a point like as I started to warm up to horror movies to feel comfortable going in a theater and I still do feel like hesitant because I don't want to do like a jump scare in a dark room um and this was the first movie that I was like oh I can't handle it because it's not so much like a jump scare, like gory kind of horror movie. It's more of like psychological. Um, I think it is very well written. I think the screenplay is brilliant. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wish I had more insightful things to say today. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It uh, Same for me. It took me a little bit longer I actually think I saw it the year after when it got put back in um for the best picture and a bunch of my friends wanted to go see it um but yeah it's not my favorite Jordan Peele but I do think it's a very very well done debut um and it's also just like insane how you know the guy who I grew up watching Key and Peele all the time just made this kind of switch and transition and and you see it now you see it more um you know for better for worse you see a lot of comedians trying to go into the horror genre um and i think that please let bill Hader be next like please i'm begging you maybe he should have done it chapter two i don't know please 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 (laughs) 
Um, the second to last episode of Barry, this is all I'll say in that regard, the second to last episode of Barry season three, when um, Henry Winkler like is coming in on it and Moss's dad's questioning him and it zooms in on like the bead of sweat on his brow. I'm like, Bill Hader wants to direct a horror movie so bad. And I think we should just let him. I will single-handedly raise the money on GoFundMe. I, I truly think that when Barry's done, he's going to get a lot of first look deal offers from various studios. And I don't know. And I know he's friends with Jordan Peele. I'm like, look, have the discussion. Have it and record it and put it out for us to listen to. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I was the same way. I thought that this was, you know, the movie that would break through. Um the horror genre into the Oscars, especially since, you know, we started getting so many different breakthroughs here and there, but, um, you know, sadly it hasn't come yet. Um, which talking about breaking through like to the Oscars and everything, uh, we're going to transition over into a lot of films that we felt deserved nominations that didn't get those. Um, and we're going to start with the below the line nomination. So this is everything that isn't uh, picture, director, acting, or screenplay. Um, and since Nicole has okay. not been able to speak for a, <laughs> for quite a while, um, let's start with her. Also, okay. for anyone who's on, um, if someone does say a movie that you're thinking, if you could try to find a different one, that would be cool. But if you can't think of one, um, that's okay as well. Okay, I've got a couple below the lines, if that's okay, since those are all lumped together. Mm-hmm. Um, one, to start off with, I've got a couple for costume design. I'm a costume design girly. Of course, I have thoughts on this. Uh, I think Mary Shelley's Frankenstein actually has really nice costume design. Um, they got in, I believe, for makeup, um, but not costume design. Uh, I really like the costume design, obviously, in Crimson Peak. I think it's like peak Victorian Gothic costume design and the way that they use color in it, um, particularly the symbolism with the color red in the costuming is really fascinating. Um, And also I think Last Night in Soho, people have varying views on that film. I really love the first like hour and hour of it, but I think the costume designing is really nice and should have gotten in. Also Um, that movie deserves credit because it lets Matt Smith be hot thank you i also while i'm here i think last night in soho should have gotten in for score and editing as well um i think the way that they edited some of those sequences was really impressive uh and i also think that um for score uh mary shelley's frankenstein should have gotten in i'm a huge patrick doyle fan whenever it comes to scores so obviously i love that one i also think the crimson peak score is awesome and i also think crimson peak should have gotten in in hair and makeup and production design that house alone should have gotten them in for production design not to mention everything to do with the butterflies throughout it and the use of symbolism in the imagery in that film is insane and they should have gotten recognized for it and i'm gonna go ahead and say this because it is a movie from this year but it was ruled non-oscar eligible because it went emmys um the production design in fresh is so fun like that house is phenomenal um and also you know sort of everything to do with like the meat is what i will say and how they you know put all the rooms together for it is so fun um 
but yeah, I am a sucker for good production and costume design. And so that is where some horror films will really actually appeal to me. Um, I just have two. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think with horror movies, a score can make or break um, almost more than any of them. Um, so I just have two. I think more more recently, I definitely think the score for us should have been in um, the entire fight dance scene at the end, the use of I've got five on it, all of that. Um, I think Michael Abel's and Jordan Peele's duo as, you know, director, um, composer is fantastic. And I'm waiting for them to finally break through. Um, but it's only ever been, you know, good things. Um, and then the other one I'll go is Halloween. I think Halloween just has such an iconic Kinsey. <laughs> I, that's why I only did two. Um, but I think Halloween just has such an iconic, um, you know, sound and score to it. And I think when you hear the music, you know, what's coming. Um, Kenzie, I'll let you go next. What do you have? Well, I don't have Halloween score anymore, um, but I do want to say that um, the new Halloween films, the score is really great. And I feel like it's really like well updated, but reserves the original feeling. Cause it's the um, only part that John Carpenter does now. And is it his it's nephew? It's his son? I thought it was him and his son. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think it's still really cool. And I actually really like it. Um, don't look now editing. It is some of the best editing in a film ever, let alone a horror film. Um, the Conjuring score is, I mean, it is consuming. It is used all in the right ways. I love it so much. The Ring, yes, the American version, the makeup is incredible. And I've watched so many featurettes on how they did it. And I think it's really fascinating. Um, and then my baby, Suspiria 2018, I think it should have been in for editing. I think it should have been in for sound. And I think it should have been in for makeup. And I do believe with my whole body, and I'm not being delusional, that they expanded makeup from three slots to five because of Suspiria. I think everything they did is so impressive from transforming Tilda Swinton into two more characters is just wild. And the things they did to make her um, another character is just insane. I know she demanded it, but it's crazy they were able to do it. Um, and the sound, like the bones crunching and the skin tearing is some of the best I've ever heard. Somehow, yes, I have watched a lot of movies about skin tearing and bones crunching, but it is exceptional in that movie. And just the editing and so many of the dance sequences is I don't know. It's not even just the best of that year. It's probably some of the best of that decade. And I, I think it's dumb that we let movies get overlooked because they're horror films. And that was the only reason. And Amazon. Amazon is terrible at everything. Yes. Anyone uh, who says Amazon is good um, is lying to themselves. Joe, what about you? Uh, so you guys said Halloween score, which I'm on all on board for a Carpenter score. Uh, any of the good Dario Argento scores, the Goblin scores are really good. Um, I'm a big fan of the score for Signs. I mean, that was James Newton Howard. That one's a, a really good score. Candyman has a good score that needs more love. Uh, recently, It Follows has a 
banging score. I would love to hear that I more. I love the follow score. It's it's a it's a vibe. I like that one a lot. Um, I think horror scores in general they have the most staying power of most scores in the year. So it's sad to see they are not nominated more because they're probably more iconic than the ones that are winning. Um, so basically, all of those. I'm cool with those. And Lex, what about you? I know we said that we weren't going to talk about ones that we already talked about, but for the sake of um, sportsmanship, I will say that objectively, I think as much as I do not like the movie, um, Crimson Peak should have been nominated for costumes, production design, and cinematography. Um, It is a visual, I've always said aesthetically and visually that movie is stunning. I agree. The use of red, the motifs, I'm all for it. It's just... I don't like the story. I don't like the story. You don't know what this means to me. <laughs> I don't. Is it is it just the incest? Like, is that no. it? Oh no. I don't do get started say, on my issues with Crimson Peak. I just gotta um, say, the last time I rewatched it, it moved up in my ranking for Gearable. Um, it is one of my favorite films of all time. Listen, Jessica Chastain in that movie. When I was watching The Good Nurse, I was thinking of her and um, Crimson Peak because I was bored. But the same. Besides the point. <laughs> Nope, nope, nope. Don't like the movie, but I acknowledge that visually it's very pretty. Um, and yeah, so that um, I think that um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Um, I think that Sweeney Todd we'll get into my thoughts on what, what Sweeney Todd should have been nominated for in Best Actress because in a minute, but um, I do think it was nominated for Costumes and it won for art direction. I think it also should have been nominated for cinematography. Um, the use of um, the kind of gray overtones in that movie is just really well done. Um, I feel like, I don't know if this counts as a horror movie. This is one of my favorite movies. I think this is one of those that blurs the line. Um, but I think that... Um, Actually, I'm sorry. We're not there yet. That's an above the title word. Yeah. Never mind. We'll wait on that. But yeah, now I have to be on edge for what is the movie you're worried about being a horror movie? Is Mother a horror movie? Like, is it classified as a horror movie? I would say oh. no, but like, I, I, I could see the argument for it. Yeah, probably because it's so hard to watch and it's a horrible experience. <laughs> it's I never movie well, of all time. Letterboxd has Mother um as a horror mystery drama okay let's crack some knuckles we're gonna be here all night um, <laughs> um <laughs> well here Lex, were you done with the uh with the blow the line uh-huh okay you can go ahead and start with the writing which is original or adapted screenplay wonderful so i can say what i thought was a blur the line uh it is one of my favorite movies of all time um, I don't know if it necessarily counts a horror film, but I love Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Donnie Darko should have been nominated for original screenplay. Um, his voice scared me so much when I was a kid. I was like, I can't go to private school because what if he's there? <laughs> it's, it's yeah, <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's like the first time I watched that movie, I did have a hard time sleeping. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. And do not ask me what the ending is. Um, I don't know. Also, that movie really terrified me of therapy. Like, I was like, yeah. that is so scary. And I also have always had, like, a really big fear of um, pl- 
planes like not Mm -hmm. crashing but like falling out of the sky when I'm nearby (laughs) like I have the same fear of like ceiling fans like falling on me oh that was my so for some reason I didn't realize that when the ceiling fan fell that it stopped I thought it just kept flying yeah I always thought that if I fell asleep (laughs) with a ceiling fan turned on it would like yeah like final destination yeah um but so that movie like it's like two of my biggest fears like in a movie so I had a really hard time but I do want to say like what a cast what a cast if there was a casting Oscar this very well cast you got Jake Gyllenhaal you got Maggie Gyllenhaal playing Patrick Swayze you got Patrick Swayze you have it is in retrospect like the most whiplash of a scene in the world because you have Patrick Swayze leading like this scene and then who should show up as like these three random extras but boom 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 Seth Rogen Jerry Trainer, and Ashley Tisdale which (laughs) is like some sort of multiverse of madness situation and we all know that I love Jerry Trainer, so thrilled to see him every time um and the line sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion is my favorite line ever said in a movie ever um, and the queen of horror to me, Jenna Malone. Um, yes. But is the, neon, is the Neon Demon a horror movie? Yes. <laughs> Every time I bring up the Neon Demon, everyone around me rolls their eyes. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. I like that movie. But she's great in it. That's, a, that's such a good cast. We didn't even mention Drew Barrymore. That's just how good of the cast was. But I love Patrick Swayze in that movie. It's so like against type from what like you've always known about him that I feel like mm-hmm. he's really prominent in that movie also i wish jake gyllenhaal would be like in a a real horror movie you know like he what i mean does he's doing michael bay movies like he can do i don't know like do let's hook him up with jordan peele what his what his closest i thought he was really scary in nightcrawler (laughs) he is really scary in nightcrawler especially like living in la like there's so many guys like that like Mm -hmm. It was the original Joker. Um, <laughs> Joe, what about you for writing? For writing? Uh, man, a lot of these are going to be blending. So I feel like some of the movies I'm mentioning should be for like writing and directing and picture. Uh, Alien. I'm not sure why Alien has never been nominated for any of these categories. Uh, almost, almost any Cronenberg movie, but I'm a Cronehead, so I'm a little bit biased. Um, for choosing one, The Fly, but I think uh, Crash deserves something or Videodrome. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, the Romero one. Writing, direct, oh, we'll get into all the other categories later, but those all kind of blend in my mind. Um, also, The Shining. I'm not okay. sure why The Shining. Those are probably my, my options. I think The Shining is so funny because Stephen King notoriously doesn't think it's a good adaptation, but I think it's like a perfect adaptation. And I look at The Shining as um, the biggest example of what I want from adaptations. Like, I feel like it's faithful yet innovative at the same time. But it's, it's the thing, it's the whole thing of, and nowadays people want what is on the book, on the screen. Um, But I think the two, you know, can live together and you can still have the book and have what the book says and read the book and have what you know everything that happens in there and then you also have the movie that takes you know takes thoughts from the books but makes it original as well and I think that like you said is what a good adaptation should be it should 
it shouldn't just be a word for word remake. It should be a, you know, using it as the basis. Um, and it's easily the best Stephen King adaptation. Like, I don't. Unless, I mean, uh, Carrie's pretty good. Well, Carrie is good, but Carrie, for me, has so much more to do with the acting versus the actual screenplay. But for me, The Shining, the shining part of The Shining is the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the editing is so good in The Shining. And I'll be the film bro and say Shawshank is probably better, too. I'm, I'll like give the people- only, I'm the only person alive that doesn't like that movie. I know, I know. I'm like, I like The Neon Demon. I hate Shawshank Redemption. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. I try once a year to watch the Shawshank because I want to like it. I think it's because I don't like Tim Robbins. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could uh, be. I don't know. You're, <laughs> okay, you're, also, you're by just, yourself in that one. <laughs> I just want to say Alamo had this like, welcome back to the theaters montage and it like, before it cut to real people, it ended with a Shawshank clip of them watching a movie. And I would get like, it would be like emotional. Like, oh my God, I'm so happy to be back in the theater. And I'd be like, fuck this movie. <laughs> I'm alone. I don't know. Leave me alone. Um, all right. You're up. What's your writing? Okay. Um, I had The Shining, but so I'm going to go The Witch because this will please historian Nicole. I think that and I'm an egghead, so like, whatever. I think we really underestimate the historical accuracy of all aspects of Robert Eggers' movies, but particularly the writing, because he is so insistent on it being like 100% historically accurate that the first time I saw The Witch, people were begging for subtitles when there were no subtitles. And the same thing with The Lighthouse. And I think it's because he is so historically accurate, it's really hard to understand. But I think it's such a crazy good screenplay aside from the historical accuracy. It's really original, yet it feels really like folklore and I love it. Um, Let the Right One In, I think it is an amazing script. I think it's such a great story. I just... And then I'm gonna get a little, a little funny here. Cabin in the Woods is one of the best movies. Oh that was going to be mine. So long. I think about it all the time. A large part of it has to do with the casting. I think that everyone is so expertly cast in that movie. Um, but it's really unique and it really puts a twist on like what you thought was a generic Cabin in the Woods kind of movie. And then I will end with one of my favorite screenplays ever written. I love it so much. Jennifer's Body. I think it is immensely smarter than people let on. I think that it not only is really symbolic for like them casting Megan Fox at the time and the way she's gone on to talk about where she was at her career in that point, but I think like it speaks volumes to women in the industry and just various things. And I think that um, it's, (laughs) I don't know how to talk about it without it sounding offensive, but there's this aspect to um, not just trauma, but just like like tragedy, not porn, but like consumption. Um, that's really interesting. And I don't think we see a lot of things about that. Um, and then I also think it gave us one of my favorite original songs of all time, Through the Trees by Lil Shoulder with the iconic Adam Brody. 
Um, but I just, I think it's a really great screenplay. I think it's really sharp and I actually prefer it to Diablo Cody's Oscar winning script of Juno. Um, for me, uh, when it comes to writing, I had Cabin in the Woods on there as well. Um, I also wanted to add, cause I had The Shining, <laughs> <laughs> um, now I'm getting myself, uh, worked up. Oh, um, I'll say Candyman. I think the original Candyman is such a, like, is such a layered script, and I think it works really well. Um, and I think it was really ahead of its time, um, which I know the sequel, in my opinion, didn't live up to the original. But I think if that, if the original was released and how it was now, I think it would have been at least seen as appropriately as it should have been seen. Um, but other than that, I just have some that have already been said. So what about you, Nicole? Okay. So I have an original and an adapted. Um, my adapted screenplay is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It is actually for the fact that it's like in 1994, Kenneth Branagh film. And maybe this actually is why it's the most, uh, actually book like accurate adaptation um but it is the closest thing we have to like a true adaptation of frankenstein and frankenstein is something that gets bastardized a lot um i think that it deals with all of the things that make the novel really interesting in terms of themes in terms of ideas about like creation and hubris and all these kind of things um and i think that it's it's really well put together to sort of make it more cinematic while keeping the important things and keeping sort of the the things that you need out of it and it's literally no surprise to anyone that for original screenplay i have crimson peak um, I think the way that it captures the gothic horror genre is fascinating. I, I'm really fascinated by the fact that to me, it feels like an adapted screenplay. Like it feels like there should be some horribly twisted book from like the 1890s that it's based off of. Um, and the fact that it's original is just fantastic. Like, you know, people's minds are amazing. Um, I think it has one of my favorite first lines of any movie of all time. When Ida says ghosts are real that much, I know I've seen them all my life. Like, damn. Um, and there's also just like Jessica Chastain has so many good lines written for her in that movie, um, that are just there. She has like a monologue about love being horrible that I literally think of at least two to three times a week. <laughs> yeah. That's me. Well, do you want to kick it off with uh, acting? Acting? Yeah, I'll kick it off because I will continue. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before before I do okay. that, Kenzie, I'm surprised you didn't talk about uh, Mother being an adapted screenplay. Listen, listen. Okay, so personally, like, I don't think it's a horror movie because I don't find it that horrifying. But if you think about it, like, as a perspective of the planet, it is quite horrifying. <laughs> But it is adapted, and my favorite joke of all time is that um, Darren Aronofsky went into the Paramount office and was like, I want to adapt a novel for my next feature. And they were like, what book? And he was like, the Bible. And they were like, great, what James part? <laughs> and he was like, the whole thing. <laughs> I think it's so funny and exactly what I imagine him doing. Like, exactly. I also don't think anyone on here understands, like, 
because I haven't talked about it just because I talk about it all the time but Rosemary's Baby is one of my favorite movies like of all time not just horror films but that poster of mother like as like the Rosemary's Baby poster I remember driving and the first time I saw it, I like screened and my husband almost wrecked our car and it was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> like Jesus but yeah it's an adapted screenplay and it's a beautiful screenplay that he wrote in his kitchen in three days amazing no one like him no one like him <laughs> All right. All right. Well, now that you hear my transition, um, obviously I have for supporting actress um, Jessica Chastain for Crimson Peak. It is in my top three Jessica Chastain performances. I think she's fantastic, knows exactly what she's doing and is so creepy without giving anything away too soon, um, which I think it would be far too easy to do in that role. Uh, I also for supporting actress this is maybe like a little weird, but I have Anya Taylor-Joy for Last Night in Soho. I love everything she was doing in that film. I think I'm, that- I'm very low in that film in general, just mm-hmm. because I can't let go of the ending. Yep. But she is the performance that I love in that movie. Okay. I love Thomas and Mackenzie, but like, I think what Anya Taylor-Joy is doing in that movie Yes, so unlike the way people cast her that I really love. Yes. And that's the thing. Like, I think that that ending ruins that movie. I think there's a scene in particular um, about, I want to say two thirds of the way through that movie that the whole thing, I was like, pack it up, we're done. Uh, But I can't appreciate, you know, the first section of that movie before it goes downhill. And I think that she is so great in it. And like you said, it is sort of different from how she typically gets cast, which I appreciate. And I think she and Matt Smith together are so good. But she does a lot subtly in that movie to, I think, actually speak to some bigger themes that the movie tried to talk about and then lost the plot. Um, And then I have uh, three people for best actor. Um, The first one is... Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window. Um, I know that back in the day, Jimmy Stewart was getting nominated all the time, but if I could nominate him for literally every film he ever made, I probably would because he deserved it. Um, A true treasure. Um, Am I right? I looked this up and I was like, this can't be correct. Was Christian Bale really not nominated for American Psycho? Mm. Yeah, that's insane. Um, I love that performance. I love Christian Bale. Uh, But I think that is such a great performance. Um, you I know all those it. movies that like go not just like film twitter viral but like that like people cling to or whatever <laughs> and I think that movie like loses a lot of its like genius in the fact that it's like part of that because I don't think people understand how, like how crazy what he's doing is like yes he's playing so dry but so scary and intense at the same time and the business card scene is like Listen, as someone who lived in New York City for a year <laughs> and had a roommate who worked in finance and would tell me stories about the guys that he worked with, um, that film became even scarier to me. <laughs> That's why that film was so scary to me because my brother works in finance and there I'm like, exactly. the similarities are overwhelming. <laughs> and then my third one is, again, I'm cheating here because it's a performance from a film that was not Oscar, is not Oscar eligible, but I have to talk about it because it reminds me of Christian Bale's performance in American Psycho, and that is Sebastian Stan and Fresh. I think what he's doing there, the way that he, like, toes a line between, like, comedy and being genuinely chilling um, is so fun, but okay, also I hope, I hope so Joe, damn scary. I hope Joe agrees with me. But when I was watching Crimes of the Future after I watched Fresh, I was like, 
I could see Sebastian Stan in a Cronenberg movie. I feel like he has like this weird sense of humor that could like shine the way that Cronenberg obviously so many times was pulled out of Viggo Mortensen that I'm like, I would like to see it. I'm for I, it. I'm for it. I, I think, just prefer more Cronenberg movies. I think that like he has such a weird sense of humor, like you're saying, it can be used in such a sick way. Because um, he did it even on Gossip Girl. Exactly. Which, like to yep. do anything worth mentioning. He, I mean, honestly, it's why he worked on Once Upon a Time. Like and I wish that more directors would take advantage of that. I think um, he falls victim to that thing that people claim Brad Pitt falls victim to is that he's so handsome. They don't want to cast him and stuff. That's like, which is so funny because like that's literally the reason that Christian Bale was cast in American Psycho is because exactly. he's so beautiful. Like, and, and I guess it's the reason that he works so well in Fresh. Like, because he's charming and you would like not pick up on the red flags. But right. It's just like. Yeah. I feel really bad that my acting things are really wild in comparison. Okay, perfect. I thought I was going to steal a lot of yours, so. No, trust me, I don't think you stole any of them. Okay. Um, Did you have any more? Nope, I'm good on that. So I was just going to do one of each. Um, Jack Nicholson for The Shining, of course. Um, Lupita Nyong'o for us. Uh, I still think that that is probably one of my favorite performances ever. Um, John Goodman for 10 Cloverfield Lane. Amazing, amazing, amazing performance. Um, and I, I get that this might not be a movie for everyone, but I really loved Emily Blunt in the first A Quiet Place. And I thought she deserved her SAG nomination. Um, I remember having like chills thinking about her stepping on that nail for a long time. Um, Thank you for bringing uh, up the nail because everyone brings up the birth in the bathtub. And while yes, terrifying, the nail in the foot, like I think because it's something everyone could kind of relate to, like, like stepping on something, obviously not a nail, but like a Lego or whatnot. And like, that that shit like sent me to space yeah. i was so scared like i was like well it's because oh she it's well and this is i'll give krasinski credit i think like she steps over it we're the first we're, time. we're not that kind of podcast <laughs> we're, we're we're not going there. um so i i thought that they, they were doing the normal thing that a lot of horror movies do where they like do the easy bait and switch and it's like oh of course she's not gonna step on the nail and then she does and i'm like ah it's like, how is she even going to walk the rest of the movie? Um, no, but I I really thought she was really good in that. Um, I do have a couple more, but I'm hoping Kenzie says some of them. So I will let her go. Also, I'm- didn't Emily Blunt win, Sag, for A Quiet Place? Uh, I think she... I feel like she won, because I remember that being like a whole thing. Like, who the fuck is winning the Oscar? Because she won. I could be hallucinating. Um, I'll look while you talk. Okay. Oh yeah, she won. See, I I remember. I remember that being wild. Um. Okay. So I didn't stick to categories. I just listed my favorites that I knew nobody else would say. I'm gonna start out with one that I feel like people will get behind, which is Donald Sutherland and Don't Look Now. It's his best performance. That movie is just exceptional. Nicole, I feel like you could watch it during the day. 
if you watched okay, it. Okay. I love Donald Sutherland. So for him, I will do anything. And it's like seventies. It's amazing. Okay. I okay. feel like you'd really like it. Um, okay. <laughs> Speaking of Lupita, people that play two characters, Jeremy Irons and Dead Ringers is so good. He really makes them feel like two different people. And obviously Cronenberg is just, okay. Naomi Watts. Natalie Portman in Annihilation. Listen, that's a good one. Naomi Watts in the ring is actually really amazing. And I think that following Mulholland Drive, she does this and it's like, I, she was one of our most promising actors. I think she's incredible in it. I think she has to do a lot between balancing being someone that you should trust as a reporter and also someone going through this crazy time and then being a mother on top of all of it. Um, we all knew this was coming, but Tilda Swinton and Suspiria, I just think she is incredible and gives three very different performances and her Madame Blanc is it has like a weight to it that I feel like is missing in a lot of movies. And that is something that only... Tilda and Luca could do together. And then my final one, everyone will yell at me and I don't care. Lori Metcalf in Scream 2. I think she is doing a lot and I love every minute of it. I think about it all the time. I think it's a really like very reminiscent of stuff she does on Roseanne. Um, but it's like very interesting. And her with Timothy Olyphant is just like. I don't know. I love it. I know everybody hates the scene on the stage because like the Hamlet of it all, but I really love it. I think it's great. I think the Oscars would be better off if they were a little silly like this. I respect that. Scream 2 is my least favorite of the screams, but I respect that. Okay. We're going to talk about this later because Scream 2 is probably, I, okay. I (laughs) I change all the time, but it's always between the original and then Scream 4. I really love Scream 4. Um, Like I just rewatched Scream 2 and Scream 4 because they were like at the top of my library but um but Scream 2 was always my number three and it would probably be my number two if Scream 4 didn't exist um I love Scream 2 the 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 scene in the classroom where they're talking about like sequels is just like no that's a good scene it's so good and like the cast that's in that room is just exceptional and I also really love Sarah Michelle Gellar's death scene in that movie it is yeah. it's so good I, I feel bad I didn't mention Scream and Screenplay I think that we don't talk about how smart the movie is um, and I should have done that but yeah I think I think I'll end on Laurie Metcalf and Scream too I think that's a well you said none of the ones that I thought you were going to say but well I was trying to do stuff that I don't talk about if okay. that makes sense that like, makes I sense feel like everything I... I was thinking was like what you talk about a lot yeah, like Tilda was the only one I wanted to mention just because I believe in it too much. But, you know. Joe, what about you? All right. Uh, Matthew Lillard in Scream 1. Nice. For sure. Nice. That's uh, so good. That's the performance, too. That, like, stands out to me. It's, it's so good. Uh, Dwayne Jones in Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Tony Todd in Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least have Tony Todd just narrate the oscars uh just have him talk uh donald sutherland for invasion of the body snatchers though okay yeah i love uh it. jeff goldblum for the fly a thousand percent uh he's perfect in that movie and it's so gross uh and it's she just plays it perfectly uh essie davis for the babadook i think is really good 
Uh, Florence Pugh for Midsummer is one that always comes to mind as a big one. Uh, those are the ones that I thought off the top of my head, at least. I like you all know those. when Florence is walking to the outhouse or whatever, and she's like talking oh, to herself, and she's like, "Yeah." I was like watching the movie, and I was like, maybe this is too much for someone who suffers from severe, like suffocating anxiety to watch. Because I was like, this is how I feel every day. <laughs> she's so good in that movie. It's definitely like one of those performances similar to Christian Bale in American Psycho where I feel like people talk about it so much that we're like is it really that good like is it just the internet I'm like no she really is that it good. is <laughs> she's that good then it's crazy um Lexi what about you um I was gonna say Florence Pugh in Midsommar um my biggest rant is um Helena Bonham Carter for Sweeney Todd um she's so good she's so good and I really think that show, like even the musical, like it's really Mrs. Like Mrs. Lovett is like what kind of makes it. And I actually think Johnny Depp is giving the weakest performance in that movie. Like he is one note the entire time. You can say um, that about any movie. He's- he doesn't <laughs> understand the character of Sweeney, and I he will does not understand the character. Of Sweeney God. Was Helena and Tim Burton still married at the time? Mm-hmm. She yeah. was pregnant in that movie. Oh um, wow! Yeah, while they were filming it um yeah no when um he almost kills joanna and then he hears her scream and he just goes forgive my face i laugh every time um one of my favorite movies but i laugh every time so i really think it pisses me off to no end that he was nominated but she was not um when i really think she is carrying that movie um i'm trying to think i think uh jake dylan for donnie darko if we're counting that um he was still pretty new on the scene but i think he's giving a very good performance in that movie um and then one that i guess um oh also again i don't know if this is one of those where like it blurs the line but like if we're gonna count young frankenstein Mm -hmm. um i think gene wilder deserved a nomination for that one and then um, if we're throwing in just my I'm in a silly goofy mood one, um, I actually think Bill Hader is giving a very good performance in it chapter two. And I think for that movie to have been 900 million minutes long, if we'd <laughs> I was literally going to watch it the other day and I was like, why is it so long? Like- it is 900,000 minutes long. It is the longest freaking movie. Um, and it's and because it's like he's, he's like one of two that I feel like was well casted as an adult Mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep my opinions on who I think was not well casted to myself but I would like to know um I would like to know like off air um offline but um I think he's actually giving a really really good performance in that movie and I think if we had given just him just 20 more of those 80 hundred million minutes um then maybe his performance would have gotten a, gotten a little more buzz but i think like that alongside barry was the first time i was ever like oh this guy can act um well i don't know take the skeleton twins with that but um i just want to see bill Hader win an oscar one day it just i think that's when the world will achieve world peace is when bill Hader wins an oscar is stoker a horror movie um Someone else has to answer. I've never seen it. 
It says it is. I don't really think it is. But if it was, Matthew Good deserves mm. love. Mm-hmm. If you're into him, this movie's not that rough. Okay, I'm literally, I was making a list, Kenzie, and I'm adding it to it now. It's it's just weird. Um, I, I For him, I'll do it. Oh, and then I also wanted to shout out Rebecca Hall in The Night House. Yes. She is. Yes. I mean, I could just say her name, but she's really good in that. Absolutely. Um, Lex, we'll start with you, uh, director. Okay. Um, I hate to like keep recycling the same movies, but keep in mind, I don't mind horror movies. They're just not my number one genre. Um, so sorry to keep recycling the same movies, but surprise, surprise. Um, I have Richard Kelly for Donnie Darko. I just think Donnie Darko is criminally underrated. I understand that like it's become like a cult favorite, but it really is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, again, I don't know what the hell it's about, but I love it. Um, and then I think I'm also double checking as I'm speaking that I have this right because I, ever since the time that I said that Spider-Man 2 deserved a nomination for visual effects and then I found out it actually won while recording and I'm still embarrassed about that. So I'm live fact checking myself. Um, I think Ari Aster deserved one for Hereditary. And I think Nicole, I'm going to need you to just not say anything. I think Guillermo del Toro deserved one for Crimson Peak. Even though I did not like the story, I do maintain that it is a well-directed and well-acted um, sans Tom Hiddleston movie. Um, yes. Uh, Tom Hiddleston's not giving a good performance in that movie, and I admittedly was really scared that you were going to say Tom Hiddleston for your actors, Nicole, and I would have lost it in the worst way possible if you did. Um, and then I think... Um, I actually think that uh, Andy Muschietti uh, deserved one for the first It movie, not It Chapter 2, because It Chapter 2 was so long and achieved so little. But I actually think the first It was very well done. Um, And so I would have given Andy Muschietti one for that. And then uh, Tim Burton for Sweeney Todd once again. Joe, what about you? Uh, Let's see. Director, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Craven. I'm cool with Wes Craven uh, nomination. Uh, Sam Raimi for Evil Dead 2. Uh, Del Toro for Pan's Labyrinth. Is Pan's Labyrinth a horror? Yeah. I think you can argue it is. Yeah. I mean, it has one of the scariest characters in film. Yeah. Movie, so. So I <laughs> so think yeah, it counts. Uh, Pan's got a lot of nominations, but not a director. And, uh, and it didn't and... win the international one that year. Yeah. Yeah. Justice for Pan's. Um De Palma for Carrie, I think only like Sissy Spacek and was nominated. Maybe someone else was, uh, but De Palma wasn't. Uh, Julia DeCornow for either Raw or Teton, I'm cool with. Um, Teton got so snubbed last year or two years ago now, last year, I think. Um, so yeah. yeah, Julia for sure. Those are, I think that's, oh, Cronenberg again. Cronenberg for anything he's done, I'm cool with. Kenzie, what about you? Well, I had Julia Hurrah. And then, you know, I had Cronenberg and I didn't write a movie because I just want him in. But <laughs> I would go The Fly. I feel like The Fly is, I don't know. It's not like a directorial film I would really consider, but I feel like he has a really great hand in that. Um, and then, 
Um, I'll just go Stanley Kubrick, The Shining. I I don't know what to say about that movie that's never been said, but, um, and then I don't know if I would actually put him in because I'm trying to think of what year it came out, but Mike Flanagan for Dr. Sleep, I think he had a lot to do there and he really expertly achieves it. And listen, I'm not a fan of recommending director's cuts of movies, but the director's cut of Dr. Sleep is exceptional and truly the only version to watch. Um, and you know, you know, I'll do it. John Carpenter for Halloween. I think what he does with such a small budget is mind blowing. And I think you're still seeing people replicate it today and not even just in horror. I think like the killer POV is used in so many things to try to kind of like make you scared, even if it's not a horror film. And I think that's really fascinating. Um, yeah. And I also I, the Palma for uh, Carrie. It's Carrie. I don't even. I I think of it more of like an acting movie, but I do really like the directing in that movie. And then um, Piper Laurie got in, right? Yes. I can love Piper Laurie in that movie. She's the only one that thinks it's a comedy, and it's so funny. <laughs> um. So I agree with John Carpenter. That was actually going to be my pick. Um. But I just to expand on it. Um. I think almost what Spielberg does in Jaws, he does the exact opposite of he shows you the monster nonstop, literally puts you in the POV of, you know, the monster, um, but shows that no one can see him rather than everyone he's on the beach. Can job see at making the atmosphere feel like Michael's there, even when he's not there. That's why when that tweet went viral about Michael Myers screen time in the original Halloween compared to Halloween ends, I got so irritated because 90% of Halloween is about like making you feel like he's there when he's not there. And I think that's what Halloween ends was missing. It wasn't that just, it was a Michael on screen. It was like, there was no essence of Michael in the story. Mm-hmm. I love using every opportunity to talk shit about Halloween ends. I think I will do it until my time ends. Um, <laughs> other than Halloween, uh i'll just say i'll say james wan for malignant and move on to nicole okay (laughs) um in a truly shocking turn of events mine was taken by lexi um obviously (laughs) obviously i'm team um del toro should have gotten in for uh crimson peak also just put del toro in anytime he makes a movie Mm -hmm. but i guess then i will go with um is it mary heron who did american psycho um partially just because i think one of the most fascinating things about that movie is that it is female directed and it is satirizing that like yuppie culture and um there were a lot of people i think who didn't necessarily understand that and maybe still don't um and i mean men um, I also do want to give a shout out though to Kenneth Branagh because I'm in a silly goofy mood because he said I will make Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and I will give you the most accurate version of Frankenstein you've ever seen on screen but I also will be the hottest I've ever been in a movie um, and honestly looking at him in that movie I'm like listen Helena Bonham Carter I could never condone anyone cheating on Emma Thompson but I see why you went for it <laughs> yeah um and you can go ahead and start and we can do picture and 
surprise, surprise, my picture is Crimson Peak. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it is a fantastic example. What, you know, Ken's talks about a lot with Best Picture being something that should really showcase a lot of different categories. Um, I think production and costume and makeup and all of that uh, and score and editing, it's phenomenal. And then I think it has great acting. I think it has a really beautiful fascinating screenplay and great direction by del toro so um in in my heart it is nominated um for me i am going to go uh, uh i'll say halloween of course because i think it is definitively like the horror movie um but my second one i will go rosemary's baby because I think that it's just that one is like it's insane how good it is, especially with I mean the person who made it and what it's about. Um, but I just I remember watching that and I was just absolutely jaw on the floor, like in awe of every aspect of it. And I was surprised that Kenzie didn't say Mia Farrow for uh, that movie, but I was trying not to say things that I am constantly yelling at the internet about. Um, but it is one of the greatest performances of all time. But those two, and yeah, that's probably all that I've got right now. So, Kinsey, what about you? Um, so I'll say Suspiria 2018, just because I think that um, it has a lot more to say than I ever expected it to. Um, and Watching Tar made me rewatch Suspiria because of Berlin. And I just think it has really interesting things to say about that time period. Um, and then I was going to say Rosemary's Baby, just because I feel like that movie really does a great job of tapping in what it feels like to be a woman and what it feels like to honestly be pregnant and feel like people are not listening to you. Um, and then I will go with Raw just because I feel like when I say I don't like coming of age movies, I don't mean this one. <laughs> um, Joe, what about you for a picture? Picture. Uh, the Fly, always. Teton. I think Teton was good enough last year. Um, have we talked about the thing at all this last two I hours? I don't think we have. It's pretty embarrassing of us. Um, the thing probably deserves to be on like every category that we talked about. Uh, Poltergeist was a good was a good time. Uh, I, if we're going goofy, Twenty Eight Days Later was is pretty good. Um, Tremors in nineteen ninety was much better than, than Dances yes. with Wolves. So Tremors. I would have had Tremors. Take Remember over. the culture impact that Tremors had on like society. Like I remember going to like. I'm pretty sure it was like an Albertsons. It was like a display when movies came out and they were like, they had like fake tremors coming out of the display. All I know is that Kevin Bacon and that other guy are in love. It's a beautiful gay romance. The beautiful gay romance. It kind of is. It is. I love tremors. uh, I mean, I think Goodfellas lost to Dances with Wolves that year, but uh, Tremors was better than Dances with Wolves. So Tremors will stay forever. Those are my picks. Um, and Lexi, round us out. What do you have for picture? Okay, so um, surprise, surprise. Uh, I have Donnie Darko. 
Um, I'm realizing I did not put Donnie Darko in my top five. And I've said multiple times one of my favorite movies. Done it for every so, category. I did. Um, I'm going to replace Tusk with Donnie Darko, and um, it is actually my recommendation. So sorry that I didn't put that in our Twitter thread. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say Donnie go Darko. back and edit. I will. I will. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Donnie Darko. Surprise, surprise. I'm also going to say Sweeney Todd for Best Picture. Um, I think that lesser movie musicals have been nominated for best picture um so if mm. Les Mis could get in if Les Mis listen both Les Mis and Sweeney Todd stray from the musicals in ways that irk me but Sweeney Todd is less offensive about it in my opinion I agree Sweeney Todd I at least understand what they're going for they want to make a horror film yes cats yes yes i would like to say that uh cats is in my top five favorite horror films (laughs) (laughs) she's like everything i said over the last two hours scratch it out i think that whoever played mr mistopheles should have been nominated for best actor um because i wept during that scene anyway um no i also think that hereditary should have um gotten a best picture nomination um it's like it's I think it is A24's biggest film or like most like commercially successful not um, uh, not anymore yeah not anymore if it um, was because of everything everywhere oh well okay if there's any movie that I'm okay with dethroning it it's that one so that's fine but still um oh it's Uncut I, Gems yeah mm. Uncut Gems Uncut Gems Uncut Gems um, <laughs> I also think going Not back either. to actors, I forgot to mention that I think Tony Collette should have been nominated for her hereditary. Oh wow, we're gonna piss off all of Twitter that we. <laughs> didn't say that. But I think yeah. because it's just so talked about, I feel like you don't uh-huh. have to talk about it. Yeah, like it's it's pretty much like unsaid. But yes, um, I did mean to include her in my list. Um, so what did I say? I said Donnie Darko, Sweeney Todd, Hereditary, um, and the first Scream movie. I would say deserves best picture nomination, not a win, but nomination. <laughs> awesome. Um, and I will start with Joe. Where can we find you online? Um, I guess wherever people can find you. Oh, you can find me places. Uh, if you <laughs> uh, if you look up Cinema Joe, hopefully it pops up with my handles you just google it but that's my username based on everything instagram twitter tiktok not letterbox surprisingly but uh if you type in joe i think i'm i hope i'm the first results under joe um yeah those are all the places uh kenzie what about you you can find me at kins Venunu on all social media platforms except i don't use letterbox anymore i apologize um lex what about you um, I'm at Alexis Willie. That's W-I-L-L-I underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Um, but please don't ever call me Alexis. And then I am Moonshoes Lexi on uh, TikTok. Nicole? Okay. Um, I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16. And since we're throwing it out there, I'm on TikTok at Nicole Brittany 16. Um, I am on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, um, at tberry57. 
Uh, and if we're throwing it out there, I'm on TikTok as Tickety Talk. <laughs> uh, you can find the show online at Oscars underscore Central. You can find us online at OscarsCentral.com. Um, this was our horror show. And until next time, that's the show.